did you see Chris Phillips got a new boat? <laughs> <laughs> Did he put on Instagram? No, I'm not up on my Phillips news, oh, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, you know. It is the picture of the hops he's growing for uh, <laughs> for his beer. I would love for Chris Phillips to just... He's in the twilight of his career. He doesn't, you know, have to give a crap anymore. I would love to, for him to put one of those up on Instagram. He's like, uh, check out my green thumb. And it's like him with like a giant marijuana bowl. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. And it would make sense, too, because it's probably for his glaucoma. Right? <laughs> you dyed it in red. Remember Todd White. Where did Eric Carlson eat last night? It doesn't matter if you ask. It's the Chet and Luke Podcast. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode Smolinski of the Chet Sellers and Luke Peristi Podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm joined as always by the man who has just returned from representing Canada at the Combat Juggling World Championships in Budapest. It's Chet Sellers. <laughs> hey, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, look at you, Mr. World Traveler. <laughs> I know you were a long shot to make the team, but you had a great regular season, and they uh, figured they could use you, I guess. Well, they figured they could use me, and I mean, to be fair, I was only available because I got eliminated from the uh, Combat Juggling playoffs here uh, at just the right time, so that was good. But I was glad I was able to go over and represent my country. Well, that's why we all love you. You're, you're willing to put it all out there for your nationalistic pride. There you go. So, uh, speaking of playoffs, I gather they're still happening, but I don't care. I have, I'll be honest, I've stopped paying a lot of attention since the Habs were eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like, I stopped watching the playoffs twice. Once when Ottawa is eliminated and once when the Habs are eliminated. <laughs> I mean, we could talk a bit about what happened in the playoffs, but I think there's not much to say. Like, we didn't really learn anything, did we? Like, <laughs> I guess we learned what we already kind of knew, which was that Ottawa is a flawed hockey team, but so is Montreal. Yeah. And the only difference is Montreal has a really, really good goalie. Yeah, it's kind of like, good work, Montreal. You're kind of a clown juice hockey team being propped up weekend at Bernie's style by Carey Price. Good for you. Enjoy Michelle Terry. And and I know that, you know, all playoff series are close and a lot of them come down to overtime games. And But that was a really close series, right? Like, because they lost game one by one goal, right? They lost game two in overtime. They lost game three in overtime. They, they blew out game five and they won blew, game four. They won game four, they blew out game five, and then they lost game six on a disallowed J.G. Peugeot goal. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, outside of maybe the first game, all of them were pretty much toss-ups. And even losing that way wasn't that bad, because once you go down 3 nothing, you're kind of preparing for the end. And I liked the fact that it was kind of like, okay, we were probably probably always going to lose the series after a certain point, but now we have the moral high ground. <laughs> we don't have to feel bad about Put this. a little bit of panic into Montreal, but I did like that when Ottawa was coming back from 3 nothing. you know, a lot of people were saying, well, this is just the final spasm of a dead fish, right? This is just, you know, they might win game they might win game four, they might even win game five, but come on, Ottawa, it's not going to happen. Whereas when Montreal did the same thing against Tampa Bay, it was like, the ghosts that walk these hallways <laughs> have inspired these men on the battlefield oh, it's the of worst. ice <laughs> to demonstrate that uh, that Montreal character that we've come to know and love for, Do it for the hundreds of years. Right? <laughs> Do these, it for the these brave men. <laughs> rallying from 3 nothing. God, you watch more George Strombolopoulos than I did, obviously. <laughs> I wish... I think it was in Tampa, though, right? I wish they'd got blown out like that at, in the Bell Center. That would have been nice. That would have been... So, like, not to be too picky, but that would have like really just put the icing on that cake. They got... It, so it feels like it was seven months ago, but they got blown out at home in one of those games, right? And the Bell Center was pretty empty midway through the third period. Right? Well, I mean... Which is... Impro I, I have to hand it to Habs fans. I, I do admire their willingness to completely abandon a $400 seat when their team is losing. Uh, that's that's true pride and dedication. They're kind of like, well, this game sucks. I think something good, I think a good movie is playing at the forum. But they don't even have to. There. The thing is, everybody gives Sens fans crap for leaving early, right? But if you've been in that parking lot, you know, right? <laughs> Whereas when you can take the Metro home, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. I don't know. Maybe they had to make a call to their parole officer. Yeah. I don't know these fans. things you're soft you're all soft 
Uh, I mean, in terms of the remaining teams, I can say with 100% certainty, I do not give a toss. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot tell you how sick I am of... Anytime uh, there's either a Western Conference final game or an Eastern Conference final game, I have to hear something on Twitter about either Jakob Silverberg or Ben Bishop, <laughs> oh, <laughs> who good. apparently used oh, to play for the Senators. Into, okay, we like, are, it's like they're gone. Get over it. Oh, you are going hard in the paint today already. I love it. All right. Like, oh, Jakob Silverberg had an assist. That could have been our assist. <laughs> Said the same people who were so excited to bring Bobby Ryan to town. Yeah, and here's the thing: like, I liked Jakob Silverberg as well in terms of the fact that I watched like every single Swedish elite league compilation there was, and was like, this guy has you know the greatest shot in history. He was a, he was was, a good young Twilight looking hockey. Player. Yeah, and then he's not Bobby Ryan. He's never been Bobby Ryan. I doubt he'll ever be Bobby Ryan. And you know who has Bobby Ryan? Us. And that's the thing about the playoffs as well, is that everything becomes so matchup oriented that you end up trying to shut down the top guys and it really allows, you know, the your second and third line to have this opportunity to flourish if they can. And that's what's happening with Jakob Soferberg right now. It's why we have, you know, terms like playoff hero Dave Boland, you know, why Fernando Pisani scored 14 goals in a playoff, in one playoffs for like the Edmonton Oilers one year, like 2006. Well, it was either Silverberg or Zabanajad that was being traded. And I think I'm much happier to still have Zabanajad. Oh, yeah. I mean, he DJs for puppies. He's, he, have you seen he's on this uh, boat cruise? Oh, or I want to go so much. <laughs> this magazine is putting on. I will go and shoot video. So he did his club gig in Ottawa like two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And the team rewarded him by sending him to Binghamton to start the next season. Uh, so I like that he's now choosing to do... He's he's back to publicizing professional engagements. I assume he's getting paid for this. It's all but early he's doing summer it on a, now. But he's doing it on a boat, right? He's like, they can't... I can't get in trouble if I'm on a boat, right? Like, I'm an inter- International waters. I don't know where they're doing it, but I assume it's the middle of the Ottawa River, which is international waters. I'm just looking forward to, you know, smoke machine, lasers, because Vanishad steps out from the cloud and says, Hey, Captain, drop that anchor while I drop the base. And then Sandstorm comes in. And not Sandstorm, but you know what I mean. I don't he's not, I mean, if you've watched, I don't look, I'm not haters, haters club going on here, but he's not <laughs> the most involved DJ. Like he kind of, he kind of just, he will do the blends. He'll do the beat matching, but he's not like layering stuff. He's, you know, doing most of it in Ableton or Tractor or something like it's all being done on his laptop. He basically just has to twiddle a couple knobs. He, he's, he's somewhere in between like a dude with like two turntables who's legitimately like mixing <laughs> oh, and working. Oh. Now we're, now we're bringing in the legi- oh we've got like legitimate no, levels no, 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 of no. DJing now. He's, he's, yeah, so that's that's. Yeah, like, but he's above the guy like the celebrity DJ who shows up and puts in a mix CD. We should do a pod from there. I think what he should do if he doesn't want to get in trouble with the team when he does these things is he should wear one of those big dead mouse heads. Yeah. <laughs> is it Mika Zibanejad? <laughs> is it Avicii? Who knows? Yeah. You could probably tell it was still Mika Zibanejad though because he'd be wearing a, a shirt that basically said like live love lift <laughs> something like that wait we have that because we traded Jakob Silverberg also we have a player who is better than Jakob Silverberg in Mika Zibanejad and also we have another one in Bobby Ryan <laughs> so best of luck in future endeavors I'm not unhappy about what happened there right the Ben Bishop stories may be a little bit different because of the way the Corey Conacher deal worked out but um you know when you've got three goalies you know I can't I mean thank god we're never going to be in that situation again. oh can you imagine where we get pressured Woo! into potentially uh selling low on a goalie no oh. like, I'm I'm very happy that the Ben Bishop mistake need only happen once. <laughs> yes. Our goalie situation is written in stone for at least the next two or three seasons. So let me check my notes here. Craig Anderson. I've heard of him. And Robin Leonard. Goalie of the future. And the Hamburglar. Uh, Andrew su- Hammond. Uh, surprising season saver. That's good. So basically, you know, that's all that's what that's what you have. You've got a starter, you've got a backup. 
And then you have a second backup. Right. And this is what I'm saying. Brian Murray is a genius. Who else would do this? But, I mean, I haven't been following the Sens that closely in the last couple of weeks. I would assume, even though Andrew Hammond kind of, you know, saved the season and, you know, deservedly took the team to the playoffs, even though he probably shouldn't have started game one and two. <laughs> Uh, revisionist history (laughs) revisionist history look i we talked when we did our when we did our series preview i think i said like you know anderson is going to be the guy but you can't you can't not start (laughs) andrew hammond had they started anderson from the beginning i don't care if this is revisionist history they would have beat the habs just like they beat him two years ago yeah but you're absolutely right but anyway i would assume i i haven't been following the andrew hammond saga i would assume he's going to start the year in binghamton correct you know thanks pat on the head but uh we've got leonard and anderson so sure we're not going to keep not going to like sign Hammond long term keep him around like that's not that's not on is it well what do you consider to be long term uh I would say if they signed him to a one-way deal for three years that's that's long term yeah I would say so I to me that's the kind of thing I wouldn't do okay so earlier this week Uh uh we had a little bit of the signing action going on and it looks like if i'm reading the instagram the senator's instagram okay so they did sign andrew hammond uh again i get all my senator's news from instagram okay can i make can i make a prediction yes two-way deal uh one year six hundred and fifty thousand dollars um you're off by only a factor of three okay in both the term and money is it a six-way deal (laughs) can they send not what i meant can they send him to the swedish elite league (laughs) yeah you can go anywhere that's a men's league i don't even know who our echl affiliate affiliate is uh it is is it the Icemen or some abhorrently named team like that i think that's correct (laughs) no andrew hammond andrew hammond just signed a shiny new contract three years at an average value of something like but not necessarily 1.35 million dollars per year so that means he's gonna hang around one yes that is that is house buying money it's not daniel alfredson's old house buying money but it is a house buying money so if andrew hammond is basically getting paid to be the backup for the next three years what are they going to do with anderson and laner did brian murray think of that You'd have to think so. Brian Murray is a man of many talents, and I'm I'm given to understand that one of them is math. So I think he's put 41, 40, and whatever the hell Andrew Hammond's number is together and added up to three. And he knows that that's too many. Right. Could this be like a Grateful Dead situation where you have two goalies playing at once? I've looked into this. That is prohibited in the rules. Is it actually? It actually is. Okay. You can't play more than one goalie at a time. Okay. I, I thought, why don't just do that? You never get some Well, what if, you took, what, if, what if you played two goalies, but you took a defenseman off the ice? Could you do that? No. You just have, like, Anderson and Lanner out there with, like, Eric Carlson? You can only have one designated goalie. Huh. Once you put on the giant pads and chest protector and mask, that makes you a goalie, and there can only be one. Okay. It's Highlander style. Well, thanks for looking into that. You're my fact-checking cuz. (laughs) I can only imagine that the only way the situation could be more complicated would be if, hypothetically, the Senators had signed some prized NCAA free agent goalie, but surely that didn't happen. Have you met Matt O'Connor? Yes, I have. I heard all about him. Uh, Which team did he end up picking? He picked Ottawa. He picked us? Yeah. Oh, so he's going to follow in the in the proud tradition of Stefan DaCosta and Bobby Butler. Exactly. It, all he, these prized NCAA free agents that uh, pan out wonderfully. Because Ottawa apparently now has this uh, real uh, reputation for developing goalies. Ottawa seems to be really good at stockpiling goalies and not figuring out what to do with them, basically since we got rid of Brian Elliott. I kind of respect that uh, approach to goalies, though, given, you know, that I think goalies are weird. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to evaluate a player, like the only player who cannot control the play in front of him. Ottawa's approach to goalies in the last few years has sort of been like, you know how the odds are already so bad playing the lottery, you might as well just buy multiple tickets at a time. Exactly. Right? And hope that one of them uh, you might win 10 bucks on. That seems to be what they're doing. And, and the problem is, is that most of the tickets have been paying off, right? <laughs> Which is a wonderful problem to have until you trade one of them for Corey Conacher. <laughs> but of all of them, I mean, the guy who has the best pedigree, who was the highest draft pick, who was, the you know, so-called goalie of the future, is Robin Lehner. And my guess is he's the one that's going to get traded. And why would you think that? Because I don't think they will trade Craig Anderson. Why not? Because I don't know if you've heard this, but he didn't play a lot in his 20s. So even though he's 34 or whatever, you know, horribly advanced age. It's a young 34. Well, it's a young 34 in terms of mileage, but it's an old 34 in terms of hairline. (laughs) Right. 
And although, I mean, if you look at pictures when he played for the Blackhawks in like the mid eighties, yeah, he was like, was already well in his oh, way. Oh, he was he was like twenty one. It was going like it was really depressing. He's always been like the number one guy, and I think they'd hoped that Lanner was going to push him, and obviously that didn't happen last year because of inconsistency and injury. I don't think they're going to make Lanner the number one goalie at this point. I think if they're going to you know have a guy who's going to be the guy, they'd be much more comfortable doing it with Anderson for as as long as he lasts. I think that, and I've been very clear about this on Twitter as well, and I'll just reiterate this. I think Craig Anderson is getting traded. You think so? I do. So you think they would go with a tandem of Lanner and Hammond? I do. You know, I'm not sure if you've been around for the last little bit, but there's kind of been this, this general sentiment that if it ain't broke, don't call it Eugene Melnick. So... I've been looking at the numbers in terms of who Ottawa needs to resign for, you know, restricted free agents. There are some good ones, by the way. <laughs> like, we're not talking like, we're not just talking like Jared Cowan level guys. Like, people who were pretty good last year oh, okay. and we all like so I get, need to get new contracts. So I get that Craig Anderson makes more money. And I get that the Senators will say, well, you know, we're going to keep our options open and we could trade anybody because they don't want to say, oh, we'll only trade Lanner and then, you know, lose the market potentially. But but I still don't think they trade Anderson, right? I think they would trade one of their RFAs. I think they'd trade Mike Hoffman before they traded Craig Wow. Anderson. I do. I do think that. Like, I don't think they care that Anderson makes $4 million a year. That's what he's worth in, you know, <laughs> in this wintry economic climate. Wow. I mean, what is, is Leonard? The, is, Leonard is, makes two, right? Like, Leonard makes two. Yeah, and now... And you send Leonard and Cowan to Edmonton, and, you know, that's more money than Anderson makes, so... Uh, I well, would, Cowan's going to Edmonton anyway. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Good luck in future endeavors, Jared Cowan. Jared Cowan, Peter Shirelli, your second Zidane Char is out there, and his name is Jared Cowan. <laughs> Neil Yakupov's coming back, and he's moving in with Milan McCulloch. That's that would be great. Right? That would be great. <laughs> They're just like, ah, you're both from Eastern Europe. <laughs> you can bond over your mutual love you're of both communism. From one of those weird countries with a Z in it. You like turtlenecks. You know, you guys can live together. That'd be great. I've I don't know, man. I've been running the numbers. I just I don't see how they do it without getting rid of Anderson, Cowan, Legwander, like some chunks of change that I think are both replaceable internally and sizable enough that, you know, that means that Mike Hoffman and Mark Stone and Mika Zavanajad get you know, the contracts they're probably looking for. Well, let me say this. I think there will be some trades uh, over the offseason, and I think there will be some signing of RFAs. I Ooh, don't hot see, take. I don't see the Senators signing any unrestricted free agents. God, no. I, I don't think they have any major holes. I don't think they're going to even do any kind of David Legwand-type moves. Yeah, no, no, I don't see it either. Uh, unless the only David Legwand-type move is trading David Legwand, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I think is... is which probably, would be the David Legwand of moves, in right. a way. And Colin greening is still a thing that exists <laughs> even though no one's seen a picture of him in months uh holding up today's newspaper hopefully um so that but i mean again they're just gonna buy him out right colin greening strikes me as the kind of guy that would open up a very successful youth hockey school right have you seen that uh, matt cassian is running a youth hockey like camp in in edmonton or sherwood park or something like that? i have seen and that, he has actually. the unmitigated gall to call it playmaker you <laughs> You remember Matt Cassian, Maybe he's right? doing it ironically. You remember Matt Cassian, right? 6'7", like taller on skates. Uh, <laughs> had a beard. His own websites. Had, uh, I think he had, uh, I think he had a, uh, a couple of points in the playoffs against the Habs. Yeah, he's a power play points. He was a power play specialist, oh, as I recall. Well, he's a playmaker. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he runs Playmaker U. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So RFAs, they're apparently going to re-sign everybody, right? They're talking to Condro. Whoa, is... But before we go to RFAs, though, I need to like make an observation. Okay. Between Anderson, Leonard, and Hammond, the guy we consider least likely to be traded is Andrew Hammond. Well, they just signed him. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like, who who are they going to trade him to? It's like, we've got a number one starter and, like, the goalie of the future. And we're like, don't worry, guys. You've got the backup spot on lockdown. Well, yeah, well but look, I mean, he is a good he's he's a good choice as a backup. Yes, right? I agree, like, yeah. And he, even if he's not going to be a win 20 games in a row guy, he's probably, you know, showed enough this year that he can spot start and he can, you know, play 20 games a year. And I don't think it's going to be a huge... Like, I mean, you need a backup that you don't pay a ton 
amount of money to. Every team has their, you know, Cam Talbot or whatever, right? <laughs> or their Alex Ald or their Brent Johnson. Yeah. Like these guys, <laughs> you know, these these guys caddy for a reason, right? No, Hammond's fine as a backup, but they can't trade him a because they just signed him. Although he does have, he doesn't have a no trade, yep. which is good. Everybody on the Senators gets a no trade except the goalies. None of the goalies have no trade. Right. We might need to trade them for very small, unsustainably good players. But if there was a team that really coveted him that now they'd trade for that contract, they would have just offered him a better contract when he was, you know, a pending unrestricted free agent. And the fact that he wasn't, I mean, the only comment that I've seen in the media pretty much everywhere about the Hammond deal is, can you believe they signed Andrew Hammond for that long for that much money, right? It's not even that much money for a backup goalie. It's just that nobody believes he can actually play hockey because he played it so well. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, they're like, he was so good, he can't be any good at all. Right? Like, he's so far, he's so many standard deviations from the norm that he must be terrible. Luck is literally the only explanation for what we saw. (laughs) There's no other way. None of it can be skill. Yeah, but the thing is, so Andrew Hammond will play a few games next year, and let's say he comes out and he plays, I don't know, five games in the first two months of the season or, you know, something like that. And he's not that great. And everyone's like, oh, regression, you know? <laughs> and it's like, no, no. <laughs> Nobody actually believed that Andrew Hammond was that good, even Senators fans, right? It's all house money. I just want, like, Andrew Hammond to rock a cool, like, 917 for the rest of his career, right? Like, just be good or okay. Like, don't suck. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, he, you know, was a guy who probably was going to walk and be a minor league goalie somewhere else next year. He, to his credit, seized his opportunity, and now he's... I won't say he's set for life, but I mean, he's going to get $4 million in the bank over the next three years. And assuming that he doesn't spend it profligately, he'll probably uh, he'll probably be okay. You can buy a house now. And then Matt O'Connor knocking on the door. All Anderson does is get hurt every year, which he, you know, which means we'll see Andrew Hammond sometime in January for the better part of the month. And then it, he always comes back and he's lights out in the playoffs. Right? So I don't think they're going to trade that guy, even if he makes $4 million a year. It's amazing that Craig Anderson played four games with a save percentage of 972, a goals against average less than one, and lost two games. (laughs) (laughs) How did the Habs win that series? Yeah, I'm trying to think of... Ridiculous. um, You were talking about the money issue, but think about this. Craig Anderson and Andrew Hammond, as a tandem will make less money this year than Craig Anderson and Robin Lehner did last year. Mm-hmm. So you're even if you don't trade Anderson, if you trade Lehner, you're still saving money at the goalie position. There, but then it's got to, that's going into Zibanejad and Stone and... And Alex Chason. Oh, right? of course. Have you heard yeah. they've opened negotiations <laughs> with Alex Chason? Celebrate the moments of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing I can think of is that they're going to say, hey, listen, you were terrible last year and we scratched you for, you know, the better part of... March, April in the playoffs, but if you'd like to come back at $700,000 a year, we're happy to have you. I mean, terrible is relative, right? That's terrible at twice the number of points as Curtis Lazar, who we all loved. Alex Chieson's biggest problem was that he failed the eye test. Well, and I thought that they were going to keep Chieson around because it was, you know, justifying the Spezza trade, right? Like they were, you know, we lost Alfredson, we got Bobby Ryan, we all love Bobby Ryan. We lost Spezza, but we got Chieson, we're going to, you know, keep him forever. And I think the fact that nobody really cared about Spezza so much last year after he left and Dallas didn't even make the playoffs, like I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody really misses Jason Spetz all that much, you know? So I don't see why that would be a reason to keep around Chasson. I mean, I, I understand opening negotiations with him, but I hope they're playing hardball. Conversely, I hope that in the negotiations they're allegedly having with Eric Condra, they're offering him all the money that he wants. <laughs> I would fly in Curtis Lazar from Kelowna to the Eric Condra negotiations. Just, just to make this happen. Have his smiling gaze uh, <laughs> saying, do you remember when we played on the third line together and we were like the best third line in I'm, the history of the world? I'm trying don't imagine, you want to keep doing that? I'm trying to imagine Curtis Lazar negotiating with anyone and just him smiling. You're like, ah, come on. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, this is fair for both of us. And you're like, you're right, Curtis Lazar, it is. I would, sign. I would love to see Curtis Lazar when he does his first RFA negotiation, right? He'll just, like, I'm just picturing him sitting in, like, this wood paneled boardroom with, like, Brian Murray or Pierre Dorian, and he's just kind of like, 
and, and I can have this coffee. This is free. <laughs> this is a really nice boardroom, guys. He'll negotiate a $300,000 signing bonus that he'll donate to the Boys and Girls Club of, of Ottawa. That's my prediction there. <laughs> For some reason, yeah. I always picture uh, Curtis Lazar off the ice wearing overalls and a straw hat. I don't know why that is. <laughs> you think he's you think he's Huckleberry Finn, basically? Is that what <laughs> but just on the RFAs, I think they give Zibanejad what he wants. I would sign Stone as long-term as possible. Yeah. I don't think they will. I think they'll give both Stone and Hoffman short-term deals. But of the three, the guy I'd trade would be Hoffman. And we talked about this on a previous podcast. We don't need to belabor it here. But he has the he's the oldest. He has the probably least track record. Where are you going to get Mike Hoffman's production from for down the rest of the lineup, though? He won the team in goals. Yeah, but we're uh, we're resigning Shasson. Ah. <laughs> You're giving me the willies here, man. Not, I can't, I can't well, handle it. So the thing is, though, there's not really anybody... Like last year, Hoffman was kind of up and down. Stone was kind of up and down. And we sort of said, okay, those guys will hopefully earn a spot on the roster for this past season, which obviously they did. Mark Stone, healthy scratch in November and December. <laughs> shout out to that guy. Yeah. Also, shout out to Paul McLean. Yeah. <laughs> evil, evil Paul McLean. What were you doing? Um, but I don't think there's really anybody in Binghamton that's like that's in that position this year. Is there? Like, I mean, the people that you talk about bringing up are defensemen. Like yeah. Like, we are out of forwards like Weidman and yeah. Clayson and I mean you've got guys like Derek Grant maybe right who I think is a free agent isn't he yeah no we're on like some serious like Max McCormick wave right. for like next call-ups at this point we're right so I guess the one guy who's kind of a tweener would be Matt Pumple and your Shane Prince's I guess yeah and your Shane Prince's but I don't think anybody's excited about Shane Prince I, I, I don't know I think that's the, I think that could be like the new Condra it's like oh look at this guy play responsibly and kill penalties yeah that's what I'm about but Shason and Hoffman both have arbitration rights which to me makes it more likely that, that that'll, be... that'll end up being a one-year or two-year deal yeah, they yeah, never, yeah no one ever gets a long no I just I just think that if the team can't reach a deal with them I don't don't think they're going to want to go to arbitration so i think they'd be more likely to be traded do the senators even have enough money to sign all these guys like i mean i That's mean why I, anderson's getting traded anderson's not, it's, he he is. two million dollars more than later like they're gonna they're, and they need it look i think the senators at the end of the day will just say anderson's a sure thing leonard's not a sure thing we're gonna trade leonard right that's the same reason they traded ben bishop right because they thought that leonard was you know more likely to be the sure thing so the first time they traded a different goalie is because they believed in leonard and now they no longer believe if, in leonard if, so if, he's gonna get traded if leonard had had a good year this would have been a completely he's, 23 that absolutely absolutely and and craig anderson is 75 but they're still gonna go with the sure thing until it's no longer a sure thing and by that point matt o'connor will be knocking on the door (laughs) so i could see different teams wanting different goalies right like i think if you were a solid team that didn't have a goalie but you just needed that you felt like that was all you needed to kind of get over the hump and and become a contender let's call them the st louis blues that you go for craig anderson yes Whereas if you're Edmonton or you're some team on the rise, you're Buffalo or whatever, and you're looking for a longer term goalie, you go for Leonard, right? Yes. That's, that makes sense. I think you get a better return for Anderson than you do for Leonard. Oh, for sure. Like, I think you get Which is also a good reason for him to get traded. Like I think you get good pick Yeah, well I think you get the picks and the prospects and the you know, the you get the Jack of Silverbergs. Right, I think I think Anderson. I think Craig Anderson is so good that you can like tack Jared Cowan on there and they'll have to take him. <laughs> I don't know. I still see Leonard and, Co- and and Cowan going to Edmonton. I don't know why. I just see that as a package that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll see what we get back. And Jared Cowan, I mean, you saw his comments at the end of the year. Like, he's done everything he can to say, I don't want to be here next year. Yes. I, I want to be gone. I don't understand why I wasn't playing. I've never looked at a score sheet or really know anything about how to play defensive hockey. So it baffles me why I'm a healthy scratch. And this weird, gangly Patrick Weirkosh dude is is playing when he looks like he's skating with cement blocks out there. Like I, I think, not happy. I think the Senators know that Cowan needs a change of scenery. I get what they say. Well, you never want to trade the next Zidane Ochara or whatever on the off chance that he is the next Zidane Ochara. But I think they, they understand why he needs to go. I just think they're not going to acknowledge that and you know scuttle his value and i think there's a also he's been such a such a brat kind of that i think part of it is like no we're not gonna trade you (laughs) jared cowan noted brat yeah no exactly you know it's sort of like not only are we not gonna trade you but when you come down in the morning your dinner that you're not eating is still gonna be on the table and you don't get anything else until you eat it right like 
Jared Cowan, I think. They're pretending... I love this. They're they're pretending not to trade Jared Cowan out of spite. I think... Well, I think that's a little bit of what it is, right? Because they drafted him high and they've always, you know, they've given him every chance to succeed and they've always, you know, tried to groom him as like this blue chip defenseman and now he sort of wants out of town. And I think Brian Murray sees him as a stallion that must be broken, right? <laughs> but what they'll do, what they'll do is they'll fix his attitude and then they'll trade him. As soon as he's like, you know, as soon as he's been reprogrammed, they're like, all right, that's it. You're ready for now. But we beat you, Jared Cowan. We won. So, I mean, I guess it's been a little while and, and we're all kind of moved on from last season. So maybe it's too late to do a kind of season in review podcast. Let's just make this really quick. We'll do a lightning round. Yeah, lightning round. We'll go through the roster and for each guy, we decide whether they failed to meet expectations, met expectations, or exceeded expectations. This will be the end of your report card. Sounds good. I think we're going to go in order of uh, who has the most term left on their contract with the Ottawa Senators. Okay. So who's slated to be here the longest. So this will be a neat snapshot of what the team will look like in the future and also, you know, how we think people did. So we're starting with Andrew Hammond. Of course. (laughs) No, we're actually starting with uh, Bobby Ryan. Failed to meet expectations. I would agree with that. But only because he sucks sometimes. Is he going to get hurt every year? Like, is that going to be? Is that going to? He be says he wasn't hurt this year. Yeah. Well. Mm. Well, that's scary if it's true. <laughs> Best of luck to you next year, Bobby Ryan. You've got uh, seven million dollars coming your way, and uh, you're going to be held to account for it. Uh, Brian Murray has encouraged you to show up in shape. So I hope you're on. <laughs> that could mean anything. <laughs> so I hope you're on your stair climber in Wyoming because this year you failed to meet expectations. And for, yeah, we actually need Bobby Ryan to really kill it next year because otherwise the Jakob Silverberg thing's just going to become unbearable. Yeah, he's a $7 million guy who for the last two seasons has basically been, what, like a 50-point player? Like, he's not been as good as Nick Foligno. <laughs> the captain Besides of that, though, Columbus he's been good. <laughs> Shut up. I love Bobby Ryan. I love Bobby Ryan, too. Okay, who's next? Clark MacArthur. Met expectations. You think? Uh, he was not as good as he was last year, but he, and I've got no numbers in front of me, but um, he did get a concussion at one point. Which is Which is a sign of weakness. <laughs> as we know. <laughs> as we know. <laughs> Although, to be fair, he only got a concussion running into... Uh, basically an immovable object, right? Which was Robin Leonard, who also got a concussion. 16 goals, 20 assists. He was a little cold by even after he got the concussion. Was okay when he came back. Uh, he's solid. Yeah, he was... Yeah, he but, didn't quite have the mojo he had with Turris the year before, but he's solid. I'll go with met expectations. I, right. I think I personally was expecting a little more out of Clark MacArthur, but only because he was so good last year. All right. And we've got him until 2021. Eric Carlson. Exceeded expectations. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, he actually survived playing with Mark Borvietsky and Chris Phillips for a good portion of the year. <laughs> Holy hell. And and two, and I would say in some ways you can't really expect Eric Carlson to ever exceed expectations because Sens fans' expectations for him are so unbelievable. Like you know, He had 80 points one year. It's yeah, amazing. yeah. It's, like it's, almost, like, it's almost like he can do anything. Like when you believe that somebody can do anything, it's hard for them to exceed expectations. Yes. But, in spite of the fact, this is why I think he did, in spite of the fact that he was saddled with those guys for the first part of the year, he played so well for the second half of the season um, when Mathot came back that he still managed to get nominated for a Norris. Right? And he was doing it injured for a lot of that time. And I figured that he would never, and he could win too, right? Like a He lot of, should win. He should win. He should win every year. But the thing I always figured, with the, especially with the offensive defensemen, and I think it's sort of true for Subban as well, it's like... Okay, he won it once. Now we can go back to saying that he can't play defense and he's never going to win it again unless he does something so unbelievable like score 150 points in a season that we can't ignore him. But we're going to go and give it back to, you know, Shea Weber or, you know, Duncan Keith or Duncan Keith. And to those people, I say watch the games. (laughs) Eric Carlson is the is an ethereal being made entirely of pure light. I just figured that he was the kind of thing where if he scored 80 points every year, he'd win it once. But unless he exceeded that a second time (laughs) significantly, like they wouldn't give it to him again. Defensemen do that all the time. And so the fact that he's been nominated and he could even win. He should win. And in a season in which he had to play with Borvieski and Phillips for a good portion of it, I think is exceeding. If he doesn't win, I'm going to riot. <laughs> I'm taking my case to New York. All right. So what do you think? 
Oh, met expectations. You and don't think he exceeded expectations? Uh, what would that even be? As you say, like we think Eric Carlson can do anything. So I, he was not a disappointment, that's for sure. And he he put the team on his back for basically the whole season. And what, what was the point of the year when you said, man... You, you saw when he was trying to lift himself out of a chair, <laughs> yeah. the impact of that. When was the time during the season when you said, oh, Eric Carlson's having a rough go right now? There was a couple games there for a while, but there was never like a stretch when it seemed like Eric Carlson wasn't at his best, even when he was injured. So he was, he had everything, consistency I, I just, and the results. That first part of the season was so rough because you're like, he's your special little guy and you're like, we need to get him some help. It's like when you see, when you see a child who clearly could be a world-class athlete, if only he had the money for equipment. Like one of, he was like one of those kids in the Canadian tire commercials that, you know, unfortunately can't afford uh, a thousand dollars. That unfortunately can't afford a thousand dollars worth of hockey equipment, which is what it basically cost to play uh peewee hockey now and it was just like it's so it's so unfair that this underprivileged child doesn't have you know the opportunity to succeed so mark mathot coming back really was the canadian tire jumpstart program that allowed eric carlson to succeed and reach his potential in spite of the uh unfortunate situation into which he'd been cast through no fault of his own that's wonderful uh speaking of mark mathot and he's in bali now Speaking of Mark Mathot, Mark Mathot. Mark Mathot. I would say he met expectations. It's hard to say here because part of Mark Mathot's whole kind of, uh, you know, charm and mystique is that he makes Eric Carlson better compared to everyone else who is on the Ottawa Senators. And I always thought that was kind of a... I, <laughs> I don't want to say... It's kind of like... I don't want to say an It's like Mark myth. Mathot ex- exceeded expectations. Look how good Eric Carlson was. Well, I, you know, it's, it's weird because I always wanted to say that the whole um, Mark Mathot, you know, is... Eric Carlson's soulmate life partner, you know, makes him better. I always figured it was the other way around. It was Carlson, like Carlson making Cuba look better. Carlson making Mathot look better, right? I figured Carlson could basically play with anybody and make them look better. And we learned there is a threshold for that this year, and it's Mark Borbiansky and Chris <laughs> Phillips, right? So, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's not, it doesn't matter what you're paying Mark Mathot, right? You're not paying for Mark Mathot. You're paying for Mark Mathot, and Eric Carlson with Mark Mathot, yeah, right, which is worth far more than you're paying. Mark it's Mathot. some, it's a, it's some, some of its parts. It's greater than some of his parts, right? Yeah. We're talking like the Beatles here, yeah. and like they may have excellent solo careers, but like there's only going to be one greatest band of all time, and that's Eric Carlson and Mark Mathot. And well, Mark Mathot is kind of like the George Harrison of that whole thing, right? You think? I think like underrated, um, sort of an attitude problem, <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, he's the he's really the piece that makes everything work, even. If if he doesn't, uh, even if he doesn't do the flashy stuff, Eric Carlson. In that case, Eric Carlson is Paul McCartney because I'm never going to let him be John Lennon. Eric, no, Eric Carlson is a Paul McCartney because he does the most stuff. He is the most creative. He has always trying new and different things, uh, and he's not really just about you know being John Lennon. Good. Who, Let's leave that there. Who is a complete creep and wife beater and <laughs> generally loathsome human being? Yeah, I, who I, didn't I, write a good song after 1967? Goddamn. Damn right, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hit him harder. John Lennon is one of the look. He wrote some great songs. He's also he, one of the biggest creeps in rock history. Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris met expectations. Agreed. Actually, you know what? Although he really started to come on near the end of the year, like he was really. I think he. The team had kind of said, "Well, maybe." Turris will be our number one center, but we still really like Zabanajad's game, and we think he may end up being the, you know, maybe they're 1A and 1B, but Zabanajad's bigger and he can be more physical, and we think, I think Murray said at the beginning of the year, he still may be the number one guy going forward. Nothing against Kyle Turris, but Turris just was so great the last couple months of the year and, and in the playoffs. Like, just two-way game, he did everything you'd want. Here's the thing, is that earlier in this pod, you talked about people not missing Jason Spezza. And the thing that I'm always aware of with Jason Spezza, at least when he plays on my team, is that I like having that guy who can bust out the ridiculous skill play at any time. Like, I always liked the kind of... I liked the feeling that anything could happen, you know, when Jason Spezza had the puck. And then Kyle Turris had that magnificent assist against Carolina... Uh, late in the year where he dangled some poor bastard and then put the puck back in the slot to stone. And that was it. I was over Jason Spezza. <laughs> I was like, we have this guy. He is ours forever for 3.5 yeah. million. God bless you, Kyle Turris. I'm out. I love Kyle Turris. I love I, this guy. I, I thought I knew what love was with Jason Spezza, but it took Kyle Turris to really 
take me on the spiritual journey that I needed. Exactly. It's like, imagine Jason Spezza, but it's also defensively responsible. Okay, two really quick reactions. One, I agree with you. Um, okay, three. One, I agree with you. Two, Taurus plays better with others, which is a lot of, even though it's not always the flashiest thing, it shows up in a lot of different places, whereas Spezza was not that guy. Three, you can only have so many insane creative playmakers who can work together at one time. We have that guy, and it's Eric Carlson. Agreed. And he's on the ice 48 minutes a game. I love Eric Carlson so much. <laughs> he, like, I mean, you don't need Jason Spezza being like the ridiculous dangle playmaker when you've got Eric Carlson there. And he's always going to have the puck. My favorite thing about Eric Carlson is that he's not flashy because he just skates away from people. <laughs> like, it's like, remember that great Carlson dangle? No, he just doesn't. He doesn't need to dangle because he just like goes around people. I always love it when he's like, ah, oh, these people are a mere inconvenience to me. I always like it when somebody's trying to knock Carlson's defense and they say, "Well, yeah, he turned the puck over and he only got it back because he skated so much faster <laughs> than the guy and took it away." And it's like. Yeah, that's defense. <laughs> so this is an interesting name to have this far forward on the list. Mark Borvietsky. Oh, I'm so glad we've got him until 2019. <laughs> um, I think it's 2018. I think that's when the I think that's the season before this the the contract expires. I, I would say he down. met expectations just because the expectations for him are low. He's going to be a seventh defenseman. He's going to punch dudes in the face. He did both of those things. He took a lot of dumb penalties. He acquitted himself in the Matt Karkner role as well as could be expected. Yeah, I don't hate Merrick Borowiecki. Here's the thing. Is Good that local I, boy. I really have no, and I kind of need to do some research on this. I just don't have an idea for how bad your third pairing should be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ideally, like, it like, shouldn't be bad. But like, they're your third pairing for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Where are these third pairings that are like totally reliable, that are just like run people over, possession wise do they exist like what 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 do other teams third pairings look like in terms of possession stats and minutes and stuff i've got no idea i'm like yeah mark brovetsky he's a third line guy who's not great but doesn't completely suck is that normal should i want better i don't know i don't know how to set expectations y yes and for no role. i mean i think longer to in the short term you don't necessarily need a third pairing like i mean they borvietsky and griba did not play much in the hab series and if you look at like justifiably my yeah man. well and, and if you look, <laughs> they were terrible and if you look at like ducks hawks right now like chicago's third pairing like Timonen and runblad is yeah. playing like six minutes a game yeah. like they're not playing much either and that's fine once you're you know down to the short strokes but it doesn't work for an entire season like you're gonna have to play Borvietsky and Griba 15 minutes a night in February and suffer the consequences accordingly. Craig Anderson. Met expectations because he was good, he was inconsistent for stretches, and he got hurt. Agreed. Entirely, 100%. Colin Greening. Wow, that is <laughs> that is high on the list. This is my first 2017-2018. This is my first failed-to-meet expectations. Those expectations being replacement-level NHL Score on a player. shot. <laughs> He well, he scored on a sh well. He fell down and scored an empty netter. Right? It didn't go in the net. Oh, I like Colin. Like I like him as a guy. That's a problem. I just Colin Greening is the tenured professor at this point. You can't fire him. He's going to get paid no matter why what. Why couldn't he have been traded with Jason Spezza? Since Jason Spezza is why he got that deal. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been just that would have been justice. It's but true. I didn't think I didn't think he would fall off the map as badly as he did. We sort of said, okay, he's he's a guy that needs to bounce back this year, and he did not bounce back in the worst way. It is incredibly. This is one of those things that fascinates me about sports. Is just when a guy drops off for no apparent reason. Right. Not that like Colin Greening ever. Not that we thought that Colin Greening was going to be the same guy he was on Jason Spetz's wing that one year forever. But to go from serviceable bottom six guy to I had one goal on uh, when I didn't even shoot the puck that's uh, that's insane to me he didn't even have an assist that was his only point this year in like 37 games it reminds me that last year the season before this this past season greening smith neal was a line pretty much every night and this year, things started to magically turn around when none of those guys were playing. So that's, uh, look, some, that's it, something to think Was about. it correlation or causation? Who's to say for sure? Who's to say for sure? Curtis Wazar. Uh, I would say he met expectations. I would say so as well. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't really, I don't think he had that great of a year until he was on the line with Peugeot and Condra. And then it was a great line. Um, he is never going to score that much. Like, I think his ceiling is probably to be a really good third or second line hockey player. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar. But the fact that he made the team at 19 and, you know, didn't look terrible all year, I think is is an accomplishment. That's, that's the thing for me is that he's only 19. Uh, he didn't look out of place at any point, which is, you know, really important when you're that young and also a rookie. 
Uh, he had a great year at the World Juniors. Yeah, I think, you know, what What more did you want to occur to Lazar? A, a bit more scoring, perhaps? But he did all the right things outside of the stuff that goes yep. on the score sheet. And he sheet. got, you know, experience in a playoff series, and hopefully that is valuable to him at some point. He ate a hamburger? I mean, <laughs> he ate the hamburger off the ice, um, which was just, like... That's probably the, like, defining image of the season, He right? gave us... That one, or Hammond holding up the hamburger. He gave us one of the great... I'll say an all-time great Twitter account. He's got a good... Lazar has a good uh, has a good Twitter feed, for sure. He's, to me, a guy that's going to be around for a while, and it's going to take a leadership role. I would love for him to rip the A off of Chris Phillips' jersey. Like, in Chris Phillips' Just, like, house. evil Hulk Hogan style. When he comes back, he's got to find his own place, right? Like, surely he's not going to live with Phillips for a second year. I don't know. He seems to be into it. <laughs> it's like it's like a family situation. He, has, he gets all these, you know, new little brothers and sisters. Yeah, but the whole billet home thing, cupping, the whole billet home thing to me made sense when, you know, he was here and it wasn't, you know, he could have been sent down after nine games, right? Like he would have had to have gone back to junior, but it was still a possibility. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, and he stuck for the year, but I don't, I I mean, you can't stay with Phillips didn't, the second year. Didn't He's going to cramp your style too much. Didn't Sidney Crosby live with Mario Lemieux for like three seasons though? Yeah, but Mario Lemieux, like you, you've seen Chris Phillips' house, right? Like it's a modest. No, you have yet to take me there. Okay, well, there's a uh, there's a bush near his house that I like to uh, that I like to just sit in. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll show that. To is you. it a bush or is it more of a blind? But it's a modest suburban home in Canada, right? Uh, Mario Lemieux lived in like <laughs> like Mario Lemieux's wine cellar is bigger than Chris Phillips's house. Like, there's lots of room for Sidney Crosby. Uh, Lazar, I'm not so sure. Curtis Lazar doesn't strike strike me as the pretentious type. I think he's happy to just have a room of his own. No, but I think he gets teammates. I think he. I think he gets a very modestly furnished Kanata townhome, and he lives in it, and he goes over to Phillips's for dinner three nights a week. Time will tell. <laughs> Do you like how boring my Curtis Lazar <laughs> fanfic is? <laughs> that's, what make him, that's what makes him Curtis Lazar. And, and then he does the dishes he, and thanks Aaron Phillips. He comes home after the game to a beige townhome. <laughs> With nothing on the walls. He takes his foil wrap <laughs> lasagna out of the fridge, eats it, goes to bed. <laughs> Cracks a Canadian. No, not even. Not even a Canadian? Not even. Oh, yeah. So he must drink Big Rig, some of the special stuff from the basement. <laughs> he probably doesn't even drink that much beer. He, he's only, well, okay, so he is, he is uh, he was 19 this year, so he could buy in Ontario. Uh, next up on the list, uh, Milan McCulloch. Milan McCulloch exceeded expectations. You think? I think so. I mean, he stayed healthy. He wasn't terrible. I don't know if he's a $4 million a year player, but he is probably, I mean, in, in this league. He's... More points than Alex Hemsky. So, <laughs> met expectations. Given, remember when we were all upset that we let Hemsky walk, walk and had to take Milan McCulloch? And then it was like, oh, this guy we got was actually much better than the guy we lost. But no one said anything? Why don't we talk about that more? That's the reverse bishop trade right there. Well, I mean, I guess credit to the senators that they traded for Hemsky and were not sucked in by 20 great games, right? Yeah, imagine if that had happened. Yeah, imagine if you got sucked in by 20 good games and you did something like sign your backup goalie for three years. Thankfully, they've demonstrated a healthy skepticism about these kind of runs in the past. And so surely that's not a mistake that'll be repeated. But um, yeah, I mean, they were sort of like, okay, he played really well with Spezza, but if the two of them want to go to Dallas, that's fine. We're not going to pay for it. And they were proven correct. So, you know. Next up on the list, uh, Zach Smith. Failed to meet. Agreed. Uh, and I, think, I know he was hurt, but even when he played, he wasn't that great. And I've always thought... Three I'm, points? Come on, man. I mean, he's not... He's got a... I think he does have a role on the team next year, probably more as a winger. I think he's got a role on the team because David Legwan's out. I think, yeah, I think that's probably right. So maybe they keep him at center. Um, I don't think you can. I don't think you can tell me how Zach Smith at center is better than David Legwand at center on the fourth line. At least not for the difference of like the amount of money they're making. Yeah. So I think Legwand's out. Zach Smith goes back in. And thankfully, we get to keep JG Peugeot. So that's good. Ooh, this should be fun. Jared Cowan. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to give him a fail to meet expectations. Um. Well. Because you know, he had a bad year last year, and we said, okay, he needs to bounce back and, and show us something. Look, somebody needs to talk to Brian Murray and be like, look, Brian, do you love Jared Cowan, 
Or do you love the idea of Jared Cowan? <laughs> I think what I think he, he's, but he's always been concerned that he'll trade the Jared Cowan and he'll turn into the idea of Jared Cowan. Look, man, as Doctor Phil once said, the best indication of future behavior is past behavior. You know what? As if we can ever rely on Doctor Phil in this podcast, I think now, I think that's right. <laughs> more, now more than ever, <laughs> and I think, I think too, you can't fall in love with the idea of someone, right? You can't, you can't. No relationship is successful if you believe you have to change the other person. Yes. Right? That's right. And that's exactly what needs to happen with Jared Cowan. He's a stallion that needs to be broken and then learn how to play hockey. And I don't think that... In that order. In that order. And I don't think that that it's going to happen in Ottawa at this point. But I think he still has trade value. I think you can still say he's a big, dumb number nine pick. I think that he still has trade value. I think this is also the last year in which he has trade value. I think that's right. I think that if Jared Cowan is here next year, does not... It doesn't make any sort of like significant improvement. Like maybe he can get a little bit better, and because and I say that because how in the name of God could he be worse? We said like, the same thing. Still, like, it, like everyone will be like, look, this guy is trending terribly. We could go back, He's trending down. We could go back into the Cut archives the and we could find this exact conversation about Jared Cowan last year. That you're right? probably right. He can't possibly be worse next year, and he was. We said the same thing about Colin Greening, and he was Ugh. right. The only but way, we did make the playoffs. Jared Cowan does have some trade value. I would encourage the Senators to look into it. I'm sure they are, even if they're not going to say it, because they don't want to give the impression that they're selling low. But can you imagine trying to trade Jared Cowan if he was on an eight-year deal right now? <laughs> Tim Murray, a genius, though. Like, I mean, the defense is weird because it's not good, but there's also, good, like, obvious trade candidates, right? Like, you could see them trading Cowan. You could also see them trading Griba. Right, you could. I agree, and I I wouldn't think that necessarily losing either of those guys would be a huge loss if you have Weidman and Clayson slotting in, right? Because even if they're you know rookie defensemen coming up from the minors, they can't be worse, right? And is and we've already got Mark Mark Vorietsky in like the big physical defenseman role, right? So like, yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing the one thing about getting rid of Griba and Cowan is that you basically and assuming that Phillips either retires or doesn't play a lot. You'd basically have Borbieski as your sixth guy. Like, there would be no avoiding it. We made that bet. Now we will lie in it. So At I, least the one guy we know isn't getting traded is Patrick Wierkosh. I want... The great thing about, like, these defensemen <laughs> is, like, I don't even want players back. Yeah. I'm like, give me picks. Gold like, medalist Patrick Wierkosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that has a nice ring to it. Doesn't it? Next up on the list, we've got Robin Wenner. Failed to meet expectations. Did he ever? This was supposed to be the year he took Craig Anderson's job. Following up on the last year that he was supposed to take Craig Anderson's job. And that's why he's going to be traded. Also has an expiring contract at the same time. Uh, Andrew Hammond. <laughs> I want to go with uh, met expectations. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with exceeded expectations. <laughs> I've got I've written a note here. Uh, his because I forgot about this because I just taken it as like reality. I was like oh this is normal. Then I went back to it and I was like really Andrew Hammond's regular season record was twenty one and two. <laughs> That's outrageous and the only explanation for that, that the only explanation for that must be that he is terrible <laughs> 21 and 2 those are video game numbers but the sort of video game where you make it two players and then just throw the second controller on the couch oh my god and you remember the first time that hammond came in and you were like oh here we go the guy who's not even good enough to play in binghamton <laughs> is now our guy like there's no sense repeating how ridiculous it is um other than to say it was so ridiculous that now robin leonard or craig anderson is going to be traded <laughs> i really do like the argument it's a so black much. swan event that's, that's that's some butterfly flapping its wings what, stuff right what's there, interesting right? is that every sense fan is convinced that either anderson or leonard is going to be traded they're convinced they know which one it is and i would say it's almost would you say it's 50 50 like between people who think anderson will be traded and people who think leonard will be traded i think more people think leonard will be traded but it could be one of those silent majority things but i, I think i think i feel like i'm one of the mo- more vocal people that i think anderson's going and maybe the people maybe the camp that thinks that leonard is going is a bit more vocal but i think it's i think more people are on the leonard it's one of those leonard things train. though where to me it feels like it's split but everybody is confident in their pick well i think because everyone's reasoning makes sense to them right if you think that if you think that robin leonard is going to get traded you're like this team has a history of making bad moves and i think this is a bad move so they'll make it whereas you know if you think craig anderson's going to get traded you're like i believe in the power of economics (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay okay to me it's just like a coke pepsi thing everybody is like firmly in their camp on this one 
Uh, next up on the list, David Wegwand. Failed to meet expectations. Yeah. He, we kind of figured that he was going to be like, he was like a smart mid-level free agency signing, and it just never happened. He got outplayed by Mika Zibanejad and Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. There's no way to sugarcoat this. You did not meet expectations, David Wegwand. But thank you for providing hours and hours of fodder for this podcast. <laughs> Your contributions will not go unnoticed thank, or unappreciated. Thanks for coming out and looking like 10 miles of bad road. Good luck in future endeavors. <laughs> Speaking of future endeavors, Chris Neal. Chris Neal. Um, you know what? I didn't have very high expectations. That is the, that is the question: is what is even Chris Neal's expecta- expectations at this point? Well, the right? only expectation anybody developed for Chris Neal this year was that hopefully he'd be traded, and then he broke his thumb. Fought a guy. He didn't suck in the playoffs. No, but I mean, I don't know what his role on this team is anymore. I think he's coming back. I don't think he will be traded. He doesn't make that much money. Like, you're not clearing a ton of space under the cap by I'm, trading him. I'm going to say met expectations just because I don't know. If you thought you were going to get more out of Chris Neal this year, I think, how could you have thought that? Like, yeah. Chris Neal is what he is, and he did a, he had a Chris Neal year. Yep. I think that's probably right, and I think he is probably going to stay on the roster and keep a guy like Shane Prince off of it. Cody Cece. I met expectations. He's not as good as people think he is, but he's still very young. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's Cody Cece's biggest uh, thing right now is that he's young, right? Right. People look at Cody Cece and say, look, he's not great now, but think about how good he'll be in six years when he'll only be 27. Like, if he might have, like, this kind of Anton Strahlman development curve to him, you know? Because everyone talks about defensemen being notoriously difficult and late developing. That's part of the reason why we still have Jared Cowan. Or at least the idea of Jared Cowan. (laughs) We still have the idea of Jared Cowan that we're trying to trade. So if you've got... I mean, I don't feel horrible about the Senators' defense going forward if your top four are Mathot, Carlson, CeCe, and Weirkosh. And I think CeCe is the the worst of those four. That is definitely a top four you can confidently take home to your parents. Yeah, it's not... You know, you're not going to get laughed out out of a hockey rink with that top four, right? And then you figure out your bottom pairing is some mix of... Griba, Borvietsky, Phillips, Weidman, Clayson, like, you can figure that out. Yeah, just kind of, like, pick a couple guys out of a hat, throw them in, you're good. Like, I think that's what Brian Murray is thinking when he says, we need a top six forward, and everybody else is like, no, 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 the defense is terrible. It's like, well, the defense is, you know, on paper, it doesn't look as terrible as it could be. Uh, the problem is they tried to trade Patrick Weirkosh all year. Although now that he's a uh, Canadian gold medalist. Uh, Canadian hero, Patrick Weirkosh. Right. He's got he's now got the kind of hardware that only Curtis Lazar can brag about. <laughs> so that's very exciting. Well, Mika Zibanejad, too. But we don't talk about that because he's true. Swedish. And Lazar has a Memorial Cup. Mika Zibanejad, by virtue of being a Swede, can never win the Memorial that's Cup. That's right. Gardens was not uh, bringing home the hardware while Mika Zibanejad was there. Right. If... If Mika Zibanejad had um, come over and played in the OHL like a good Canadian boy, then I think he would he would have a much better reputation. We have to go to that show. And <laughs> a weekend. Luke and Chet hit the road. I am not legally allowed on a boat. I can't really explain why on <laughs> not this podcast. Not since the incident. Not since the incident. Correct. <laughs> uh, Eric Greiba. Uh, I suppose he met expectations because, again, the expectation was be on the third pairing, don't be awful. Grow a beard. Shoot some ducks. Grow a beard, shoot some ducks, give us a few laughs, and he did all of that. Agreed. Um, I don't really, like... I think Griba definitely strikes me as one of those guys who, like, we just talked about Cody Cece, like, still having room to develop. Eric Griba is who he is. He is who like, he is. He's just kind of there, you know? Like, it's like seeing... It's like being in Canada and seeing a Ford Explorer. Like, it's nothing to get excited about. <laughs> this one we should have some thoughts on. Uh, Chris Phillips. Chris Phillips met my expectations, which was that he was going to continue to decline, and boy, did he. Ah, uh, I don't... I'm going to say did not meet expectations. I was expecting replacement level, not you got hurt and then we made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to sugarcoat that. Fair enough. I mean, he did play hurt for most of the year, but I don't know, or at least that's what people are saying, but I don't know how he... Like, I don't see what scenario, even if he has successful back surgery, he comes back and plays well next year. Like, I don't I don't see it happening. Yeah, like, when did he get hurt? Did he get hurt in the first game? Because if not, then that's just how bad he was. Like, I mean, the best, I, I you know, I know that really it's not up to us to tell athletes what to do. And obviously the whole reason why they succeed for as long as they do is because they don't take no for an answer and they get as much out of their bodies as they can. And it's not up to us to tell them when to retire, but... 
retire, Chris Phillips. <laughs> Just go out, go out. I don't want to say go out on top, but go out and nod at the bottom. <laughs> Just, you know, take your, you've got your business. You've, you know, you're in Ottawa icon dads love you you and jimmy zorntos can just get on that harley and just ride it into the sunset patrick weirkosh patrick weirkosh i would say exceeded expectations patrick weirkosh did exceed expectations because the expectations was he was going to be unfairly traded and succeed somewhere else but dave cameron gave him a chance he played well he's the second best defenseman well is he the is he better than Mathot? i don't think so (laughs) i Patrick Weirkosh still has this thing going on where he, I, I, you know how everyone talked about, you know, Eric Carlson's not good at defense. That's how I feel about Patrick Weirkosh right Cor- now. Of course you don't lie, though. Mm. Of course you don't lie. Look, I'm, <laughs> look. I love that sound you just made. <laughs> I watched that guy get like beat out of the corner against like David Desjardins in the playoffs. I'm yeah. like, you're six seven. Hey, he's five he's... seven. You have like a whole foot and. 300 pounds on the guy like you don't talk that way soft you don't talk that way about a gold medalist you'll get thrown out of the legion for talking like that are you kidding me no patrick he's probably not as good as mathot just because mathot makes carlson better but i like patrick weirkosh a lot uh and i'm glad that he is at this point i don't think at this point i don't think he can be traded i don't i don't want to trade him i also don't want to put him out there in like outside of sheltered minutes but yeah patrick weirkosh i'm in on okay uh, exceeded expectations. Unlike Alex Jason. Failed to meet. That's just the way that cookie crumbles. Just the way that cookie crumbles. I mean, look, you're you're placing, you know, one of the most prolific forwards in team history in Jason Spezza. You're going to have to come in here and put up better than, you know, 26 points. I don't think anyone expected him to be Jason Spezza, but he would ideally have been a top six guy who could have played, you know, like one. Yeah, Milan, Milan McCulloch and, you know, Clark MacArthur had, you know, down years. And Shiaison didn't even come close to touching them. Yeah. So maybe he's got a little bit of trade value, um, but probably not much. Eric Condra. Met expectations, which is that he will continue to be my favorite player on the team. Please re-sign him. Go Michigan. I can't add to that. Mark Stone. Who? Oh, oh Calder nominee Mark Stone. Calder nominee <laughs> Mark Stone, the god, your new favorite player. The sixth round pick out of Brandon Manor Tober. <laughs> the way we know we won the Alex Ald trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love Mark Stone. And what I love about Mark Stone is he seems like he's a goofy guy. Don't, don't you think? Like he seems like he's a, just kind of a chuckle headed dude. I love how there's glasses Mark Stone and no glasses Mark Stone. Like he's <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I like that he's not afraid to wear the glasses either. Yeah, exactly. He's got like this weirdo hair sometimes. He wears the deepest V's. I hope he makes a full recovery from whatever P.K. Subban did to him in the playoffs. Um, exceeded expectations. Significantly. Uh, and I would sign him for five years, $20 million, $25 million today. He's he's I mean, he's incredible. I don't know what else, what else to say about him. He just does everything correctly. He's like a better version of Clark McCarthy. Like, and I hope they, I hope they give, I, or I hope they give him the tourist deal. Like, now's the time. Yeah, it's like seven years. Through. Oh wow, can you imagine? Yeah, um, Mika Zibanejad. I would say he met expectations. I would say so as well. He made that second line center role his. Uh, he had some competition. He beat it out. He had a good year. He was cold sometimes, but also looked amazing at others. He so. didn't. He didn't make the leap though. Right, like he didn't become the seventy point, eighty point guy that you know we still think he could be. Right, and maybe he gets there, and maybe he never gets there. But he's got the tools. He was like my breakout guy for this year, and I would say he he continued to improve, but I don't think he broke out. He's got the tools. I, Mika's a manager. I don't. It just feels like that he's just waiting to put it all together. You know, and this coming season could be the year. Uh, Jean Gabriel Peugeot. Exceeded expectations. Agreed. Because he is, he basically was in the position Zabanajad was in last year, although he doesn't have Zabanajad's pedigree, which is we're going to send you to the minors and we may call you back at some point. And even though you've done nothing but play well, we don't necessarily believe in you. And he put up with all of that. He came back and he was great. Part of our favorite third line in hockey, Condra Peugeot Lazar scored a goal against the Habs. It didn't count, even though that would have uh, sent that game to overtime. What, else, what more is there to say? What more is there to say? Sign Jean Gabriel Peugeot. Sign that, him. That, that's what it Sign is to that say. man. Preferably after you, Craig. Tra- trade Craig Anderson if you need to. And he was so salty in the playoffs, too. I loved it. Like, he's the guy that you you love when he's on your team, and I love him, and he's on my team. Our answer to Brendan Gallagher. Oh, I hate Brendan Gallagher. Just a quick programming note. You might hear some banging noises during the last few minutes of the podcast. 
It's nothing to worry about. It's too small security asking Chet and Luke to vacate the handicapped toilet stall they are using as a recording studio. Enjoy the show. And finally, Mike Hoffman. See, Mike Hoffman is weird because he's a guy that everybody said never got his chance. He got his chance. He did really, really well, at least in the first part of the year. And now, like, he's almost overrated. Yeah, you're doing... Like, Mike Hoffman's kind of got a little bit of the Andrew Hammond going on right now, which is he was so good, he can't possibly be that good. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, he's... I don't want to say this is like another Bobby Butler situation, but, you know, because Bobby Butler scored, what, like 17 goals when he was called yeah. up or something and like that? he was that. also playing with Jason Spezza. Yeah, and then they signed him for too long, and then he was terrible, and then they bought him out. I don't think that's Mike Hoffman. Like, Mike Hoffman's a guy who's kicked around and now he's here and he played really well. I don't think he's like 30 goals a year all the time kind of good. But, you know, I think I'd keep him around if his price was right. I just think that he can command a higher price than he's probably worth. He's the one guy that I'd say, you know, I think I think you could sell high on him. I think we've seen Peak Hoffman. But I would say he exceeded expectations because we just wanted him to get a shot and he definitely earned his spot. I agree with that as well. So there you go. That's your official Chet and Luke rundown of the Senators roster. And with that, we close down the 2014-2015 Ottawa Senators season. Are we closing it down now or are we closing it down after the draft? I thought I thought that was the beginning of the okay, next season. Okay, that's the beginning of next season. So are we going to do a new theme song? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to have to hit the studio. Or are we just going to... Are we? Is this what we're about to go out with? Is this going to be the last time that uh, people hear the uh, scenes from <laughs> the Chad and Luke podcast? Only time will tell. Only time but, will tell. You know, I think if this is to be the uh, song swung song, <laughs> as it were, uh, we've, uh, we've set it out in style. Is this the end of season one or the end of season two? Um, I think this is the, the end of season two. It's, a, it's the end of season one with us at Silver 7. Yeah, so that's season two. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, You know, good work. Good Good work. work. Go us. Let's high five over that one. All right. Later, folks. See ya. Christy and Sowers were a couple of Fowlers who both still live with their moms. Breaking the town's local hockey team down with some microphones on. No other podcast was finer. More of a hit with the big rig diners We never thought they'd make it past episode 5 Whoa, somehow these dudes named Shed and Parisi are alive Whoa, whoa, whoa Shane Prince goes whoa, to the club And then whoa, starts throwing tens around whoa, everywhere And goes, look, it's Purple Rain <laughs> His name's Prince, don't worry about it What color is a $10 bill is purple, right? Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) You're going to leave that in just to spite me, probably. (laughs) It's it's too clever by half. That's the problem, (laughs) right? Because you have to... I'm thinking, like... And the the thing about Shane Prince, proud, you know, American hero, is I almost feel like he wouldn't even recognize Canadian money, right? (laughs) Like, I don't even know if he recognizes American If there was a gun on it, he'd know Like, he's going to vote for Rand Paul. He probably doesn't even... He's, like, part of the free man society. He probably doesn't even recognize um, American green, all the same color currency, let alone the colorful Monopoly stuff we use up here. The plastic bills you can't light on fire, right? Like, surely there's no way... Shane- it's got that evil British queen on it. <laughs> Shane Prince, if he's called up, is going to be having, like, post-game dinner at the Canada Fratelli and paying with, like, gold bullion because... <laughs> Because it's the only it's the only currency he recognizes. Just like he learned from Tim Thomas. <laughs> Fellow prepper. Oh, that'd be amazing. Shane Prince and Tim Thomas doing off-season workouts together, <laughs> deep inside some bunker in the yeah, in, Ozarks. Yeah, or Colorado or something like that. No, they can't do off-season workouts together because neither can let the other know where the prep shelter is, right? <laughs> yeah, because right, then yeah. when, you know, the global financial collapse comes and we're thrown into chaos, you no one can know where your, where your secret prep shelter is, right? Yeah. Because you'll just get ransacked.